Well, what's good, everybody? Welcome in to the Early Edge in our Week 8 NFL Mega Preview. We do it every single Tuesday at this time. If you are brand new to the brand, what we do here is we break down every single NFL game of the week. Why do we do it on Tuesdays? Because the lines change. We're trying to get ahead of it. So a half point, one point, it can matter so much in the NFL and in sports betting. So let's not waste any time. Let's bring in the stars of the show because this show is brought to you by Caesar Sportsbook and Casino. So happy to have them on as our presenting sponsor. First and foremost, live from Nashville, Tennessee, the penthouse level. M Squared, good afternoon, sir. Good afternoon, Coach RJ. Larry, nice to see you back on the Mega Preview here. Fired up to get some additional analysis there. Let's go. He is the stoic one, and he runs our NFL franchise at Sportsline. He is RJ White. RJ, good afternoon. Good afternoon. People know that I like to stay pretty quiet on these shows, so I'm glad to have Larry back so I don't have to talk as much on the show. So, so welcome back, Larry. Yeah, we know that's not true. By the way, you've been very, very, very entertaining on Twitter. So anybody that does not follow my man, please do it. So you can laugh a little bit on a Sunday when bad things happen to good football teams. All right, Maestro, we've missed you for a couple of weeks. Welcome back. It's great to be back, Coach. And, you know, I'm not as entertaining on Twitter as RJ is, but I did have a good tweet the other night uh, during the game. I can't even remember what it was, but it got the most reaction ever. And I was like, wow, I should do that more often. <laughs> oh, maybe you should. Maybe you should try that. That'd be oh, very, yeah, very it was nice. about Mike McDaniel's play call on fourth and three. That's what it was about, yeah. Which was terrible, by the way. Which that was a terrible, yeah. terrible call. They still won the game. They didn't cover, though. That's what we care about. They did not cover. All right, he, let's de- get it he definitely took the points on that one. When McDaniel was trying to play to no that plus six, right? Plus seven, right? I believe I believe that to be true. I believe I that saw, to be true. I saw. Not to get too carried away and uh, uh, sidetracked, but I saw like anger in his face when that third down play didn't work. There was anger. Like I've settled for so many freaking field goals, I'm not settling for another. <laughs> I mean, it was like an emotional go for it on fourth and three, which I didn't even care about. Just run a better play. Better play. Apparently, he's been watching A.B. with the over one and a half field goals for several weeks now, and he just got tired of that bet coming in. That's all I can imagine. That's all I can imagine. All right, let's get started. We have a Thursday night game this week. Ravens, minus one and a half on the road against the Bucs. The season started, gentlemen. Could we ever have imagined the Bucs being an underdog at home on a Thursday night? But this is where we're at. The Ravens did win last week, loud a late touchdown to the Browns. And alas, they did not cover. The Bucks, an all-time low point. 21 to 3 is 13-point favorites against Carolina. Ugly. M Squared, start us off. What do we like or not like about this particular game? Yeah, this one here, I think we're gonna have a lot of sports line showdowns on uh, by the time the Thursday night stream actually happens here. Uh look. It's a matter of whether you trust the data or not. Uh, if you trust the data, the wrong team is favored in this game. And it's pretty clear and obvious. So uh, I haven't played it yet. I'm waiting to see. I think the market's still going to continue to back Baltimore in this spot on the road. Uh, and I, I understand why people want to. The Bucks have looked absolutely atrocious. The good news for them, they're still able to win their division. Still massive 260 favorites to win their division. They can get right back on track with a win on their home field on a short week. I lean towards the Bucks in this spot. I think Brady's able to do just enough. We've watched this Ravens team continue to just play competitive football games for whatever reason. They always find a way to play a competitive game. That's what I think we see again, and that's not what you want to do against Tom Brady, especially in a primetime spot where he's motivated. So I'm leaning towards the Bucks in this one. You know, last night you were on the Bears, and a lot of people were like, what? They're ter- 
that's you can't take week to week. That's one thing I've learned from Mike. You can't take the performances week to week. But RJ, as I come to you, when you look at the Bucks, I don't like to point to one play. But when Mike Evans dropped that touchdown on Sunday, it completely changed everything. How do they bounce back from that? Yeah, I think they just get back to, to you know what they do best. And I don't think Tom Brady is washed. Um, I think that uh, the Tampa Bay defense has largely been playing well. They're seventh in yards per play. And it's it's that offense needs to get its act together. Offense can't run the ball at all. They're, they're worse in the league at running the ball. So it's on Tom Brady. And I just don't think he's completely terrible. This line was Buccaneers minus three on the look ahead. It's moved four and a half points off the look ahead. And I don't care what you think about the state of the Buccaneers. We weren't, they haven't changed that much in one week just because they had a bad game against Carolina and lost. That happens even with good teams. We saw it with Bills Jaguars last year. Um, the Bills were able to bounce back. I don't think Tampa's as good as the Bills, obviously. Um, Baltimore's defense has been solid since the Buffalo game, but they're still prone to give up big plays. And Mike Evans isn't going to drop that pass every, every, you know, a bunch. You know, he catches that a lot of the time. I think it's desperation time for Tampa at three and four. I think they find a way to win. If you're a market mover, please go jump on Baltimore so we can get better. Me and Mike can lock this pick in because I'm going to be on the Tampa side too. I have it in the teaser right now at one and a half because it's just a perfect teaser number. So I teased it up to seven and a half. Yeah, it absolutely is a perfect teaser number for the Bucks and Maestro as we look at this Tampa Bay team. And sometimes this is a great spot to get a team that's been struggling for a couple of weeks and then they get right. How do you feel about the Bucks? I disagree with these guys. I'm not saying I want to show down either or both of them on this game, but I'm on the Ravens money line. You're facing a Ravens team that has had double-digit leads in all seven games, that if not for uh, some turnovers, they could be 7-0. and You're facing a Bucks team that actually has not forced a turnover in three straight games. You're facing a offensive coordinator who doesn't know what EPA is. He laughed at the question. He'll continue to run the ball into the middle of the line. And, and they were without two starting corners, Carlson Davis, Sean Murphy Bunting. Those guys are not back. And Antoine Winfield is not going to play. This guy's a major difference maker at safety. This Bucks defense, I'm not even going to talk about their offense. The defense has started to fade in every second half, starting with the Falcons, then the Steelers, then the Panthers. It got it run down their throats. Uh, I like Lamar, 12-1 and against the NFC. The first loss he ever had against the NFC was that Giants game where they collapsed up 10. Uh, but I think they get it done and get the win. The biggest mistake fans make, and sometimes we make it too, is looking at a big name and saying they're still as good as they've always been, especially in the National Football League. And it looks like the Bucks are getting old. They're slow. They're not reacting to things. And we'll see what happens this week. Of course, we have a full, full early edge live at 7.30 p.m. Eastern time on Thursday night, counting down to the Ravens on the road in Tampa to take on the Bucks. Now, we do have a London game this particular weekend, 9.30 a.m. Eastern time on Sunday. RJ, let me come to you. Broncos, they're lost. Russell Wilson is out. They scored nine points at home against the Jets as one-and-a-half-point favorites. The Jags on the other side, they were three-point favorites and couldn't beat the Giants on the field. Of these two teams who are both struggling, is there an advantage? I think the advantage comes to the Denver side. Um, that's why we've seen this line crash down. It was four, even though it was a neutral site game. Jacksonville's not really four points better than anyone, I think, at this point. They, we, they, they had positive signs at the start of the season. It's kind of faded now. 
Um, now it's down to two and a half. Um, I still would lean Denver in that sense. I don't think there's any hope for the Denver offense at this point, but the Denver defense is number one in yards per play, pass yards per play, and in red zone efficiency. Jacksonville's offense was good statistically last week, but they just aren't consistently scoring points, and that's a problem against this very good uh, Denver defense, especially the good in the red zone. If Russ is back, Denver might be the better team overall. If not, I don't think they're they're three points worse or now two and a half points worth. So, I mean, Brett Ripon didn't play well against the Jets, but, I mean, he played about the same level of bad that Russell Wilson had been. And so Denver defense is going to keep this game close. I would put it on them to, to pull out the win here in a low-scoring game. Um, so I think it's now that it's at two and a half, it's a good teaser number also. I didn't tease it for this show because it just moved recently. Um, but I think it's a great teaser leg as well. We haven't seen too much news, Maestro, regarding uh, Russell Wilson. But at this number, if people think he's going to play, you jump on it now because it's going to go the other way. What do you think of the Broncos if Russell Wilson does indeed come back? Well, this did fall through the key number because of the news that came out that said he was trending in the right direction. But, I mean, the other reports is that he has a partially torn hamstring. So even if he's out there, he's not going to be running around. He has not been super mobile, willing to use his legs, which has been a big problem with that offense because they haven't been running the rollouts, the bootlegs that they wanted to. You know, I have such a a love-hate relationship with this Jaguars team. They moved up and down the field last week. I had them against the Giants, ATN. Fumbles going into the end zone. That's seven points. They go for it on fourth and inches on a sneak when they could have kicked a field goal to go up seven on the Giants. I mean, this offense is still extremely efficient. I think it was about seven yards per play, almost 500 yards of offense, uh, or at least over 400. Uh, So I would lean Jaguars, but I'm going to wait and wait and wait and see how low this goes. Do not forget, if you want to bet on this game, it's 9.30 a.m. Eastern time. I can't tell you how many times I have missed out betting on this game and usually it works out in my favor because these games are unpredictable they really really are all right let's move to the sunday slate bears and the cowboys and mikey i'm coming to you because last night you had the bears plus nine you were the only one that i saw that had the bears plus nine and they win by 19 on the field justin fields looked really really good they look like a team that knew what they were doing now they go on the road tough tough Cowboys laying nine and a half, the total of 42 and a half. What did you make of the Bears team and now heading into a very difficult place to play? You know, the Bears looked decent at times, but it was mostly the Patriots that allowed it. If you watch Justin Fields, he made spectacular plays that were many times inches away from turnovers or certainly turnover on downs, punting the football away. Uh, He got quite lucky on some of the decisions that he made in that game. Not upset about it. Obviously, cashed the ticket on it. However, I like Dallas in this game. I haven't bet it just yet. I think the number should be 11 and a half here. I think we're getting it under 10 because of the performance we saw last night from the Bears. Just an overreaction spot. Uh, The difference is the Dallas defense is a little better. They're going to put even more pressure on Justin Fields. He's going to make mistakes in that game. He made mistakes last night. He's just not going to get away with them quite as frequently against the Dallas defense. And then I I think that Dallas is going to be able to carve up that defense just a little bit, kind of like we saw Zappi do for flashes. Um, I I like Dallas in this spot. I ultimately think they're going to cover the nine and a half. And Maestro, that's the thing. Dallas in the second half against the Lions, they forced five turnovers. They really started coming into their own. And now Dak has that rust that is now coming off. Second half, he looked pretty good. Do you like Mikey's uh, assessment of this game? 
Yeah, that's the only way I would lean. I mean, there's a monster win for the Bears. Everyone, uh, you know, they're the toast of the town, Monday night football. But now, second straight game, you got to travel on the road against a Cowboys team that didn't look all that impressive, which is, I think, why this number is so low. But the, the front seven of the Cowboys is not going to let Justin Fields run all over them the way that he did to the Patriots. I mean, he'll get probably 40 to 60 yards. But we're not talking like what he did to the Patriots last night. I mean, he made them look silly, but there's more speed on the Cowboys. And like Mikey said, they should be able to force more turnovers. All right. That game is 1 p.m. Eastern time on Sunday. A reminder, we'll be here at noon Eastern time on Sunday, counting down to all of the 1 o'clock games and the 4 o'clock games as well. All right. Let's move to game number two at 1 o'clock on Sunday. This is interesting because the Dolphins – they still have designs on wanting to be a playoff team at four and three. The Lions, well, they have turned once again into the Lions at one and five. RJ, let me come to you because both you and Mike, you're on the same side of this one. Why do you like Miami so much? I liked them last week, too. I thought the line should have been nine and a half. And then they go out and decide to skip on that fourth down play and, and not kick the field goal. And they win by six. So I didn't get the cover. But I think they're more than three points better than Lions. I have this at minus five. Uh, Miami seemed on, on route to blowing out uh, Pittsburgh. But they played that second half like they were up 60 inside of six. You know, and they just didn't push like they should have. Uh, Miami's offense is still six in yards per play and fourth and pass yards per play up against the last place defense. I think they can score whatever they want. Uh, Detroit actually played incredibly even against Dallas in that game statistically. Everywhere but in those turnovers, like you mentioned, those five turnovers at the end of the game um, really killed them there. Um, so they do have a solid – they played solidly up until that point. Miami's D, though, got three turnovers against Pittsburgh. Um, it's hard, largely had trouble generating them, but if the Lions are going to give the ball away, that just puts Miami up even more. Um, if, if Miami doesn't get those turnovers, I think this has to go over. Um, and, and this is a much easier matchup for Detroit after New England and Dallas defensively, but I just think Miami's too good and they're not getting enough respect. So um, with things kind of falling apart for Detroit, I, I like Miami minus three is the best bet. And clearly, Dominic in the chat agrees with you. He says only three with a bunch of question marks. Mikey, why is it only three? Uh, they're given a lot of respect. Uh, you know, look, there's a little bit of a home field, I suppose. It's a travel spot for Miami, but uh, I obviously think the number is wrong. I think the number should be sitting at four and a half. I make the case all the way up to five and a half in this one, maybe even six. Uh, look, the Lions offense, they've dropped off significantly. They're being rated as if they were what we saw the first few weeks of the season. Swift banged up. Amano St. Brown banged up. Uh, look, like RJ said, the Miami offense should be able to do basically whatever they want here. Good luck to that Detroit secondary trying to defend Waddle and Tyree Kill and still get any sort of pass rush on rush on Tua here. Um, I, I love this game. It's my favorite play. It'll be chalky, probably the most popular side in the NFL this week. Uh, and I do not care at all. I like the Dolphins. Do you think it's going to move significantly? No, not without uh, – no, I mean, we might see three and a half at some point. It's not going to four and a half or five or five and a half where I've got it. Um, I think it's going to sit at three. We're going to attract 90% of the money and we're going to see what happens. All right. Well, this is a perfect spot. We tell you on this show all the time, get the bet in. Don't wait till Sunday when it might be three and a half. It might be four. And then you got to spend money to get it back down to three. Do it right now. Do it right now. You're going to listen to my guys anyway. So why not listen on Tuesday? instead of listening on Sunday. Moving on, our next game, Raiders. Finally, they're laying two on the road in New Orleans, but they finally looked the part, Maestro. They finally looked the part last week in the second half, 38-20 covering the seven-point spread over Houston. Now, the Saints, they have been an absolute over-machine. Their last four games, the totals, 76, 56, 71, 
53. This total is 49 and a half. Your thoughts? My thoughts is, is that total is justified uh, because of, you know, how bad and how just how depleted that Saints defense is. You know, I need to see, are they going to get Lattimore, Adebo? Those are two starting corners. Are, you know, are they going to get um, Landry Thomas? They're so depleted. I need to see the injury reports. I'd love to make a case for the Saints. Uh, I was not overly impressed with the Raiders and finally turned it on in the fourth quarter. Uh, but I would love to make a case for the Saints, but I've got to see a bunch of guys get healthy. RJ, the Saints gave up 42 points to the Arizona Cardinals. Now, a couple of those were pick sixes. I get it. But even without those, it would have been a high 20s. Are the Saints simply an over team now? They might be. I would lean to the over here. Um, the, the thing about the spread, this was Saints minus one on the look ahead, and then Vegas beat up on an awful Houston team, and they had two weeks to prepare for that game. So the market then moved this line three and three points, and they said now the Raiders are favored by two. I just don't get that big of a move. My lean would be to New Orleans on the spread coming off their mini buy. They didn't have a full two weeks, but they are coming off a mini buy. Hopefully they'll be healthier for this game. You'll obviously want to see the injury report before you play this. Um, we saw those ugly pick sixes by Dalton, like you said. Maybe it's Winston this week. Maybe he's healthy enough to play. I don't know. Um, but the New Orleans offense, even with those guys hurt, is putting up points. They just need to avoid bad turnovers like they had in the game. Uh, Vegas's defense is next to last in turnovers. So I expect New Orleans to be able to do what they want to offensively and keep scoring in this game um, because they had a lot of offensive uh, points in that game against Arizona despite the loss too. Um, with the Vegas offense on a roll and, and the, the Saints D disappointing, I think it's probably a shootout. I think you're fine to play the over. I just disagree with the big line movement off of what the Raiders did against Houston. So I think the value on the spread has to be New Orleans plus two. Yeah, understood. Understood. Pooh Bear, though, says fade the Saints. Easy, Pooh Bear. You just heard what RJ said. Easy, Pooh Bear. All right, speaking of the Saints, speaking of the NFC South, this next one is an NFC South matchup. Now, biggest surprise of the entire NFL season happened last Sunday. The fighting P.J. Walkers. The no longer Christian McCaffrey-led Panthers. They laid the Bucks down 21-3. to They now go on the road. Face the Falcons, who are laying four and a half, total 42. Atlanta, for the first time this year, guys, did not cover the spread. Mikey, let me come to you. Are the Falcons at four and a half? They haven't been favored very much this year. They've been covering from behind. What do you think they'll do as a favorite? Yeah, this one, I don't really want a lot. Uh, I don't want to play much in this one. We've seen some pretty big line movement in it already. Um it's moved against them in this spot. So I'm not going to jump on them here. I have a slight lean towards the over in the game. I do think that we see them move the football, put up some yards, gets a little sloppy on both sides here. So my only lean in the game is going to be towards the over where it's at 42 right now. I think there should be a 43 and a half point total personally. Just it's a controlled environment in Atlanta. Again, I think Atlanta's trended towards an over team as well in terms of at least giving up yards and opportunities to move the football. Um, so that's where I'm leaning in this one over 42. All right, over 42 and Maestro for a team like Atlanta that had been, I guess, a really good against a spread team, but we know they haven't been that good. On the flip side, though, the Panthers don't sleep on them now. They are just one game. Out of first place in the NFC South. Remarkably, first place is under 500. Yuck. But that's where they are. So, Panthers, do you think with the four and a half, they are the value? Well, this started at six and a half. And like Mikey said, I locked it in on Sportsline at plus six, which is a key number, down to four and a half. I would still lean Carolina at this point because the Falcons are really decimated in the secondary. And did you see P.J. Walker? I mean, it was a totally different game plan 
from the week before. He only threw 22 times, but 16 to 22. He was the highest rated passer in the league last week. A nice ball to DJ Moore, two touchdowns. I mean, he can't play any better, but that might be more of an indication after, you know, he had basically no practice time or anything. And then he gets thrown into that game. Uh, I believe it was at the Rams and they didn't even throw the ball downfield, but now uh, they've, They've got that win under their belt. And you said it, Coach. The Falcons covered all those games as dogs, and a lot of times big dogs. It's a different story laying a number. Yeah, there's no doubt about that. Well, keep eye on this number and see if it moves at all. But I kind of, I'm kind of feeling the, the Panthers after watching them uh, last week. All right, next game, the Battle of Pennsylvania. you got the Steelers, who did cover, as seven-point dogs losing by six to the Dolphins. And then, guys, you've got the Eagles, the only undefeated team on the field. So far this season, they looked every bit the part. But now, when you play that well, the spreads start to go up. And this one is large. Minus 11, total at 43. RJ, I'm going to come to you. At what point is the number too big for the Eagles? Uh, probably uh, one and a half, two points more than this. Um, I think that 11 is definitely a fair number. Pittsburgh struggles against the pass. Philly's offense, third in pass yards per play. I mean, this could possibly be a rerun of Pittsburgh's Buffalo loss, considering Buffalo's a good pass offense as well. Um, Pittsburgh's offense last in yards per play. I don't know how they're going to move the ball against this rested Philly defense. That's elite. It can do that. It has players on all three levels. Uh, so my power ratings, like I said, say this line's too low. I think Pittsburgh probably getting a little too much respect on this line or Philly's being underrated a little bit because I think the line should be slightly higher. Right. M squared, let me come to you. The Steelers are trying to figure out who their next franchise quarterback is going to be. Kenny Pickett seems to be the guy, and he's got a lot of confidence. Can he play well enough on the road in a very difficult place and keep it within the number? I honestly don't think so here. Um, you know, like RJ, I think the number is just a little bit short. It's getting a lot of respect to Pittsburgh. Look, my model we talked about on the last show, I was supposed to take Steelers plus seven and a half. Uh, I ultimately didn't. I thought the number should be six. We talked about it. Game land six. Uh, look, it leans towards the Steelers here uh, in this spot at 11. It says it should be 10. Once again, not a spread that I'm comfortable laying, even though the computer says that we should be doing it. Ultimately, I think we see the turnover that leads to the Eagles covering this game. The difference here is I think the Eagles are just elite offensively, and it becomes too difficult for the Steelers to score enough points outside of defensive touchdowns to really get them here in this spot. So I'm not playing it at this point, but I have to go against my own computer and lean on the Philly side. Okay. Now our girl Allison in the chat says, I teased this with Tampa Bay. I'm assuming she's teasing the Eagles. Mikey, what would you say to that? Uh, not something that I would recommend, uh, at this point, bringing that number down to, it's not a great spot to bring it down to, but it, yeah, not, not a ton to say on it on doesn't qualify as a great teaser spot. Okay. There you go. And if anybody knows teasers, it is M squared. All right. Next game. And I want all three of you on this one because the Patriots last night, it was a tale of all kinds of stuff going on. They're down 10, nothing in comes Bailey Zappi. Mac Jones was very ineffective. Zappi very quickly goes up 14, 10. Then everything stops for the Patriots. The bears then scored 23 straight to win 33 to 14. The jets, not so much. They go to Denver. They score 16. They win by seven. They are now five and two. This is a very important game because they're just one game back of the Bills in the AFC East. So, Maestro, let me start with you. 
Do you think there is a quarterback controversy or will Bailey Zappi be the guy when they tee it up on Sunday? Well, there's definitely a quarterback controversy and the way it was handled and the, you know, continuing uncertainty, even some of the players are saying it's a mess. So it has not been handled well. Um, I think, you know, Mac Jones should have been given a longer leash in that game. He was coming back from injury. I know he threw the pick, but um, then you now what do you do? So, yeah, the Patriots are in a little bit of disarray, but the Jets without Brees Hall. Uh, that makes their offense so much less explosive, which was already not a great offense. Uh, no play for me on this one. Mikey, how does the fact that torn ACL, Hall is out, affect your model and this number? Yeah, it has a little impact. Look, running backs don't typically make a big impact on the point spread. Uh, however, I do think Hall was particularly impactful for the Jets. I uh, made a number of big plays already this season that one of them directly leaded, led to them winning a game that they probably shouldn't have won. Uh, as far as the game goes, look, I think that the line's mostly correct. Um, I lean towards the Patriots. However, I do think it's competitive enough that I understand why this would be an excellent teaser leg team at home plus one and a half get that to seven and a half uh at this state it's hard to see the uh the patriots winning games by multiple scores uh, especially on the road here with a team that it's obviously got a lot more energy behind the fan base this season they've had a lot of great results so far um, so i lean towards the patriots getting the win but i think it's going to be a sloppy ugly win if they do it and again I, I think this is a textbook spot for a teaser leg on the jets all right, there you go. Take it up to plus seven and a half. Those numbers, three, seven, and ten. So important to take the teasers through if you're going to do them. RJ, I know we don't know what would have happened if Bailey Zappi would have started last night. Who knows? But if he does start this week, when he did start, 38-15, 29-0. Does he start on Sunday? I think he should, but, you know, I, I'm very surprised that an offense run by Matt Patricia and Joe Judge can't get its ducks in a row. I, you know, those two are very composed people based on their coaching history. Um, everything has gone right for them. So it's really weird that this situation is coming up in New England. Um, but that Jets defense is turning into an elite unit, and I think it could cause, cause problems for the New England offense no matter who's starting. Um, the offense for the Jets obviously lost key pieces, not just Brees Hall, but Elijah Vera Tucker, one of the better offensive linemen um, that's emerging as a, as a young player. Um, and so if you put this game all on uh, Zach Wilson, I mean, Belichick's D, if they're right, they could destroy Wilson. So maybe this is an under game. Um, but if the Jets stay in the mix, it's because the run game is succeeding and they're shortening the game. And we just saw a team run all over New England. So if the Jets go in with that game plan with uh, Michael Carter, with the new back, James Robinson, I think they can keep this close and potentially win. Um, so, so that should be the game plan here. Uh, you said this is a great teaser number. This is the second leg of my teaser. I'm glad we're thinking alike there. I teased <laughs> the Jets up to plus seven and a half along with the Buccaneers. And so looking forward to that. A lot of actually great teaser legs on the board this week. I love it. I love it. I love it. All right. One more game at one o'clock on Sunday. And this is also very, very fascinating to me. So the Cardinals used two pick sixes to route the Saints last week. And I was kicking myself. Why didn't I just play the over? It came in. Literally, like, early third quarter. But hindsight is always twenty twenty. But now Arizona will go on the road. They've got their wideout back. Kyler seems to be settling in. And Maestro, the Vikings, however, are 5-1. and one. They are atop the NFC North. Total sitting at 49. I think you like one side. Tell me which. I love the Vikings. Coming off a bye with Kevin O'Connell and that offense against a Cardinals team that Andy Dalton, they put up, I, I believe it was, 494 yards, uh, a tremendous output by the Saints aside from the pick sixes. And I think there was another pick uh, in the end zone. 
the Vikings, uh, Kirk Cousins will take better care of the ball, but they have a lot better skill talent than what the Saints had. And the Saints went up and down against the Cardinals. That was a great spot for the Cardinals. They had, you know, a Saints team traveling cross country on a short week, very injured, very depleted, and they took advantage, which they needed to do to save their season. But I'm just not impressed with the Cardinals at all. Um, and I will lay it with the Vikings. And RJ, when you watch Kyler Murray yell at his head coach, and then you watch him, though, whenever you get a dynamic receiver back on the outside, it changes everything. But now when you get to prepare and you've got another dynamic receiver on the opposite side, meaning the Vikings, this does feel like a great spot for them to really run up and down the field. Yeah, I could see the uh, the overcoming in. I mean, Arizona's off- offense was outplayed by that beat-up New Orleans offense. Like Larry was saying, I believe it was seven yards per play in that game by that New Orleans offense. But the two pick sixes swung the balance. I don't think you'll get that here. This is Minnesota at one o'clock when Kirk Cousins is the most comfortable uh, with two weeks to prepare. I think they're going to roll all over the Arizona defense. Um, Arizona's offense and Minnesota's defense actually both rank 32nd in pass yards per play. So it's the movable object versus, you know, the, the stoppable force. Um uh, but Minnesota's defense isn't giving up a lot of points despite that bad number. So they're able to keep teams out of the end zone. I think they can do that here. Look ahead on this line was Minnesota minus six. We know obviously Minnesota didn't play. So this is a two and a half point movement based on Arizona getting two pick sixes, which isn't really repeatable. And their defense hadn't really played well in general. So I don't think Arizona's proved anything. I'm with Larry. I have Minnesota minus three and a half is the best bet. All right. Do we think it's going to go up RJ to four? Uh, it's been coming down. Um, like I said, the look ahead was six. I believe it opened four, four and a half, and people jumped on the Cardinals. So I think there are believers in the Cardinals. But, you know, if it gets a three, I mean, my God, I'm loving the Vikings at three. I put it in a three and a half because I don't think it's going to get down there. My show, and then Mikey, I'll come to you. Yeah, I mean, what the Cardinals have been amazing on the road until that game in Seattle. They had a streak of 10 and one straight up and against the spread on the road, and they've been terrible at home. Uh, but, you know, that streak ended in Seattle, and I think it continues that way here. Mikey. Yeah, so I I lean towards Minnesota like these guys do. I'm not as high on it. Um, I think Arizona is still a much different team having DeAndre Hopkins out there. And Kyler Murray, I think he's just going to continue to run more and more. It's basically all they're going to be able to do. Uh, so I make the game four, but my looks on it are going to be leaning towards the over as I do think they're both going to be able to put up points. And then more specifically in terms of same game parlay markets, I like taking the lowest alternate over available on DeAndre Hopkins and pairing it with Justin Jefferson's lowest alt. Uh, and then I'll also be pairing them for some of their higher alts, both to have 100 yards, both to have 125 yards, et cetera. Uh, I think it's a good spot for those two wide receivers to go north of 100. And I have a feeling that those two gentlemen will be a part of the donkey parlay that we give out on Thursday night. Yes? Indeed. Indeed, the man says. The goose and the donkey are two things I look forward to more than anything. If you haven't caught us, Early Edge Live on an NFL Live night, come check us out every Thursday, Sunday, and Monday nights. All right. We've got to get to our 4 o'clock games. Before we do that, I've got some expensive talent on the screen right now. i got to pay those pesky little bills. Here's a word from one of our incredible partners. And we are back. This is our Early Edge Mega NFL Weekly Preview on YouTube. Those of you watching or listening, rather, on Apple and Spotify, we are presented, as always, by Caesar Sportsbook and Casino. Let's move it right along. we got four games at 4 o'clock. And if you were planning on doing something on a 4 o'clock afternoon in Sunday or in the fall on a Sunday, this would be the week to do that. <clears throat> we do these games because we are contractually obligated to do so. Titans, 
laying two on the road at Houston, total 40 and a half. Mikey, I'm going to start with you. Tennessee seems to have really righted the ship. We cashed a money line ticket at minus 140 last week, also laying two and a half. They easily covered that against the Colts. The Texans get routed on the road by 18 as seven-point dogs. Why is this number two? Uh, I think it's a little bit of a hedge on Ryan Tannehill's status and whether or not he's going to play in this football game. Uh, the report today was he's progressing with the ankle injury. Uh, personally, I don't think it matters too much. I think this line should be three and a half at a minimum. I could make the case all the way to four and a half or five. The Titans are the better team, not worried about the road environment really at all. Expect a heavy, heavy dose of Derrick Henry in this game and for him to find some success. So look, the Titans are not a great football team. The Texans aren't a good football team at all. Uh, however, the Titans are better than this. They're being disrespected here by this line. Again, I think it's speculation around who's starting at quarterback. But even if Willis does, personally, I think he can make enough plays with his legs. And Derrick Henry is in such a good spot still that uh, I would lay the number with the Titans either way. Maestro, three straight games over 100 yards for Derrick Henry. They're going back to the way they used to win football games. Run him beat you up and beat you late. Yeah, and, and he's dominated Houston. So yes, he should have a huge day, but I would be interested in the other side, Mikey, if this somehow gets back to three, if say it's a Ryan Tannehill, who's not a hundred percent. And this line creeps back up to three. I would take the Texas. I mean, Davis Mills, if you look at him, his home road splits are dramatic. They're drastic. He's a much, much better quarterback at home. And uh, you know, the Titans uh, have been extremely fortunate. They are the worst team in net yards per play. Uh, they were going into last week. They didn't really blow the Colts out of the water offensively. They took advantage of a, a terrible and hobbled Matt Ryan, which is what good teams do. I'm not taking any credit away, but the Titans are a team that I want to back when they're dogs. Uh, I don't want to lay points with them. Very interesting. I think that's why last week, uh, Mikey, we went with the Titans on the money line. At least some of us did. So we could take the points out of it because to Maestro's point, They've had issues covering as of late. Would you like the money line here? Uh, I don't mind the money line here. Uh, I'd have to look where it's at. At minus two, it's probably minus 130, if I had to guess. Um, as long as you're not paying up to minus 150 on it, I'm fine with it. Okay. Very, very good. Do you like, uh, with the over at 40 and a half, the Texans showed they scored 20 against the, the Raiders. They've shown they can't score. And as Larry said, at home, a different team. Would you touch the over? Probably not at this point until I know who's quarterbacking. Uh, it's a very slight lean on the over. I think the number should be 41, 41 and a half, but not something I want to get into because I, I do think that we could see a lot of Willis running, a lot of Derrick Henry, depending on who's starting um, that, that eats the clock. So I, I'm not touching it there, but slight, slight lean. Uh, and the money line, looking it up around minus 125 uh, oh. in some spots. So All right, we'll take that. All right, minus 125, not bad. All right, this next game. And if I would have said this eight weeks ago, you guys would have said, let's find a different host. Let's find a different guy. But the game of the week this week is in Seattle. It just is. Giants 6-1. and one. Seahawks first place in the NFC West. They just scored 37 on the road, blowing out the Chargers. I want all three of you on this one. Total sitting at 45 and a half. The Seahawks are laying three. I said that moving forward, I am betting every single week Daniel Jones and his rushing prop, whatever it is, keeps going to 40, 45, 50, and he keeps cashing it. Is Daniel Jones, Maestro, let's start with you. Is he making you a believer 
Yeah, the combination of him and Brian Dayball has made everyone a believer. I mean, look at the positions that he puts Daniel Jones in. I mean, you know, Brian Dayball is pushing all the right buttons. He deserves all the credit. He should be coach of the year or at least up there with the other two guys. And this is a good spot, even though, you know, I faded the Giants last week and the Seahawks should be able to run all over the Giants who don't have a great run defense. But DK Metcalf does not look like he will be out there. And he is a huge piece for this, uh, you know, for Geno Smith. And I think without DK Metcalf, with the blitzing the Giants do, they can blitz Geno Smith into some issues, uh, definitely leaning towards taking a field goal. It does seem like some of that offensive firepower is gone, RJ, but they now have a running back in Kenneth Walker, who is dynamic. And he really put the game to bed last week with that long 70, I think it was 74-yard touchdown run. He went north of 160 in the game. We catched his uh, rushing total as well. Do you think the Seahawks will lean more on him with Metcalf being out? They, they should. Uh, he also kept, you know, that long run cash for me in DFS. Thank you, Mikey, for that. Um, but, uh, in, you know, and you look at this line on one hand, the Giants keep winning as money line underdogs. The market doesn't adjust up. They're seeing a team that they're not impressed with statistically, and they're just not giving them credit for these wins, even though coach of the year, probably front runner Brian Dayball is putting him in position to win. But on the other hand, this is the same line as Giants Jaguars and Seattle's definitely better than Jacksonville. I don't care if DK Metcalf is hurt. Like Seattle is a much better team than Jacksonville right now. So why is the line not higher? So you can make arguments on either side of this line. The Giants defense now last in rush yards per play, like Larry alluded to. I mean, it could be another huge Ken Walker game here, but they have like the other uh, team I mentioned earlier, defensively Minnesota, they don't let the awful rush defense turn into points allowed. They're keeping teams in range to get those wins. Seattle's defense also not great, but multiple turnovers generated the last five games. Um, I don't think that's going to, they're going to be able to do that against the Giants. They protect the ball. Well, I'm high on both these teams. I want to play them both. Um, but I think three is as high as you can make the line. So I think the value here is probably on the Giants side. Mikey, for people at home that may not realize the Giants have tra trailed three different times this year already by at least 10 points. They've come back and won all of those games en route to their six and one. Saquon, when he is healthy, we have been cashing his tickets all year long. How real are the Giants in this game? Uh, they're real in this game. Uh, as far as being real overall, I think they're decent. They're incredibly well coached, which has definitely led to a lot of success so far. Um, I, I think they're the side here. I, I make Seattle minus one, uh, and that's given a decent amount of respect here. It's always difficult to gauge the impact of a star player. I'm mentioning star player in DK Metcalf. He's not going to play in this game. The reason why is typically individual players like this, when you run a simulation, he's going to be worth a point, maybe one and a half in, in extreme situations. I could make the case for him being worth two full points in this spot, like another star player might be, uh, just because of the impact that I think it's going to have on Tyler Lockett and the defense, again, very well coached team on the other side. They're going to do their best to attempt to bottle up Ken Walker. Uh, but not having DK Metcalf's presence out there is really, in my opinion, going to hurt Gia Smith's ability to move the football here. So I like the Giants. I'll break a little rule. I'm fine if you want to tease them up to nine. Not, you know, typically you're looking at two and a half teasing them when the market is telling you it's not strong enough to be a three on the other side. That's when you want to jump in with the teaser, not necessarily when it's market telling you it's strong enough to be a full three. And then adding on that, it's a little, we'll talk about it on other shows too. Um, but I'm going to break the rule. I like him as a teaser leg at nine. I don't see any world where they lose by nine. Maestro, go. 
I just want to jump in with DK Metcalf, seven and a half targets per game on a running team. That shows you how important he is to the offense. And if you haven't seen it on Twitter or on the highlights, look at the Saquon Barkley jump cut that he pulled off against the Jaguars. I mean, this is like a video game, you know, how healthy he is right now. Yeah, there's no doubt about it. And really, that's a great point that Mikey and you bring up. Because when Metcalf is in there, then Locke is able to settle down and he's got single coverage on him. But now that that's gone, you double him and then you have a spy on Kenneth Walker. Then what does Geno do? That's what they have to figure Two out. Two touchdowns on Marquis Goodwin. That's what he does. Probably. Yeah. You got an MVP <laughs> candidate there, a quarterback. Don't worry. He'll find somebody. <laughs> you are a savage. You are just a savage. All right. Another game out west. And this is a rubber meets the road. Because both of these teams, desperate for a win. The 49ers laying one and a half on the road. They just got embarrassed, giving up 44 to the Kansas City Chiefs. And Patrick Mahomes, I don't care what you say about the quarterback in Buffalo. Mahomes right now is the MVP. He is. He's leading in every single category. Now, Rams, hmm, hmm. They have not certainly been playing. Their last win was a big win over the Panthers. So they've got to find something, too. So, RJ, I'm coming right back to you what do we do with this game uh, i think there's two ways to look i think you look to the under it's a second meeting between these teams they are both much better defensively than they are offensively um so it's at 43 now i would lean that way and i'm kind of okay leaning to the 49ers at minus one and a half their defense dominated the first meeting um the rams defense was excellent in two games before the bye, so that's why i think the under's there i think that san francisco defense will be back in form after that kansas city embarrassment that happened when they were supposedly healthy going into that game had a lot of players they didn't expect to have um and i think they're just going to take it out of this rams offensive line which has been terrible um so the rams interestingly enough the last game they played they played Carolina and they couldn't stop Christian McCaffrey in the last game before the bye uh, they didn't need to that the Panthers didn't have anything else to do on offense of course you know when you're on this side you have a lot of other pieces on San Francisco they're gonna be facing McCaffrey again in this game a little bit weird for them um, I don't think you need much of an excuse to back Shanahan versus McVay given the history between those two in the regular season um, so I think San Francisco minus one and a half is probably the right play a little bit more interested in leaning under Maestro, I really feel like, based off of what RJ said and the fact that Christian McCaffrey will now have a full week of practice to really get incorporated in that offense. Last week, they used him sporadically. It does feel like the 49ers, based off of everything that we've seen from the Rams so far this year, that that should be the play. Yeah, I mean, lean that way, but the Rams, you know, having that buy is very valuable. Uh, the 49ers, though, I think will play better. They had so many guys just coming back. That was their first game back from injury. Uh, Christian McCaffrey was not involved yet on third down, so he'll be more integrated. Uh, definitely leaning 49ers, but right now, staying away. Right. Now, you know, I, I listen to the chat. We're, we're men of the people, are we not? And Dominic says in the chat, let's go. I want the same enthusiasm when we get to the Commanders and the Colts. Let's go. I got to really dig deep. I gotta, I've got to tap into my inner thespian here. This next game, fascinating. Two of the very best that the NFL has to offer at the bottom of the standings. These are two teams that are trying to find an identity. And the Commanders last week did it. Against those Green Bay Packers. Now, the Colts, they've benched their quarterback. But is that a bad thing? I don't know. That's enthusiasm. So, <laughs> Mikey, let me come to you. <clears throat> this game screams, yuck. The total sitting very low at 40. What do you like? 
I like the Colts. Uh, they're playing at home. Minus three here. I make the number minus five in this game. Uh, look, Sam Ellinger, whatever. You can say what you want here. I personally thought coming out of Texas, he had flashed enough upside to be deserving of a shot here in a situation like this. Can't get much worse than Matt Ryan at this point. I also think Matt Ryan had basically lost that locker room. I don't think guys wanted to necessarily play with him uh, at this point. I think this change is going to be good. It's also nice that it's a comfortable home environment for Ellinger to make this start. So I think they're the better team here. I, you know, Taylor Heineke, he's been awesome in his role so far in his career in situations like this. But I like the Colts. The number is a little disrespectful on the home field. I think it should be five. So I'll play the Colts. All right. So the Commanders, the Commanders last week, the fighting Taylor Heineke's getting it done at home. Maybe not so much on the road. By the way, my man Marcus says fade to black scene. Yes, that's what we do here. Now, I'm coming over to you, RJ, because sometimes when I don't see something, you do see something. What do you see in this game? I see the most exciting game of the weekend. I see a matchup of two undefeated quarterbacks, the 1-0 Taylor Heineke, the 0-0 Sam Ellinger. I see two defenses coming off excellent games, especially since the Colts don't have to face Derrick Henry here. He was the guy that just destroyed them last week. And, um, you know, the commanders do have a solid run game, so maybe that'll still be a problem here. But I think the Washington defense has a field day with Indy's offensive line. It's not a good offensive line. They kind of tricked us by not giving up any sacks in that Jaguars game. Um, I just don't see Indy scoring much with Ellinger at quarterback. I agree. He can't be worse than Matt Ryan. I would rather have Larry Hartstein out there at quarterback than Matt Ryan. <laughs> the velocity on some of those passes was atrocious. Um, so it was not, not surprising for them to announce there was an injury after that game. He shouldn't have been playing. You could just look at those passes. Um, I think maybe Ellinger can run around and keep Indy in the game, but I don't think he can predict it. I think you need to see it with him first. Um, I think the Indy defense also plays well. Um, but Heineke, with as the grizzled veteran in this game, is experienced enough to lead the offense. I would lean Washington plus three. Jeffrey in the chat said, "Did they bench Matty Ice? Are you listening to the show, Jeffrey? Are you are you listening to what's coming out of our mouths?" Sorry, I'm just kidding. Maestro, go. Yeah, RJ, I agree because when I play ball with my son in the front yard, I put some zips on those curl routes to him. There's no, you know, I don't take off any of the mustard. So yes, I could beat Matt Ryan, but no. The commander's defense, 232 yards, 3.2 yards a carry allowed to the Packers. So they continue to deliver the defense. And then Heineke was so rusty, came out and he missed everything by like three yards. But then he got in a rhythm. So, I mean, you're going to give me a full field goal against a guy who's never played before. And when I think the commanders can hold down the Colts running game, at least keep it, you know, moderate to like four yards a carry. uh, I definitely lean to the points. Haas says Harstein QB one. <laughs> By the way, I've never heard of zips on a pass. You you put zips on a pass or zip did I say zips? I meant to say zip. <laughs> That's a lefty <laughs> thing. We need another lefty QB in the league. Bring him out there. That's true. That's true. With the the maestro fist pump. I've got that down right there. That's the maestro fist pump right there. Uh, yeah, Haas says, pay attention, Jeffrey. Thank you, chat. Taking care of the discipline. Our entire fan base, we love you so much, but pay attention. All right, two more games that we got to get to. And history is going to be made, gentlemen, on Sunday night. History is going to be made for the first time in the history of the Hall of Fame career of Aaron Rodgers. He is going to be a double-digit underdog at kickoff. 11 and a half, RJ. Your beloved Buffalo Bills. Are they going with the total of 47 and a half? Lay the wood on the Green Bay Packers. 
Uh, I want to say, yeah, line is fair. It just ha- It's hard for me laying this many against Rodgers, even with how he's looked, even with the state of that offense. It's just Aaron Rodgers in prime time. Like, how can you do it? Each week feels like the low point of the Green Bay offense. But remember, they had, did have a solid first month of the season. Um, so it, it, this isn't just completely gone for them um, all season like it is for some of these other teams. Rodgers has had 11 to 3 touchdown interception ratio. I think his problem is he doesn't have a receiver he can trust right now. And he came out in the media and he was talking, I think, on the, on the McAfee pod today or show today about, um, you know, you need to bench guys if they aren't hitting their assignments, whatever. He's pointing all the fingers everywhere else. But he just doesn't have anybody he can trust. So that's kind of a big thing. I wonder if he just starts going to Tanya in like 12 targets a game again. Um, Buffalo's offense can probably name their score, but Green Bay's defense solid versus the passing on third down. So, you know, maybe that score is 31 instead of 41 and this stays close. I mean, I should be confident Aaron Rodgers backdoor covers and, and I'm leaning Green Bay plus 11 and a half. But, you know, if things start to go sideways for him, does he throw a hissy fit and is it Jordan Love for like, you know, the last 10, 20 minutes of the game? Because uh, we've seen that, you know, we've seen Jordan Love close out some games too. So um, if I knew that it was going to be Aaron Rodgers all the way, I would probably lean Green Bay for sure. I'm still thinking I'm going that way, but I got to think about it more. All right. Well, apparently Cy in the chat, when I said history is going to be made, he goes, RJ smile. <laughs> that would be a first. That would be a first. Um, <clears throat> Maestro, let me come to you. Because this is such a big number. But when you look at the total at 47 and a half, the Packers, they at times this year really struggled to score. And I think it's Aaron Rodgers' fault. He did not show up in the preseason. He did not work with these Rodgers receivers. And he even said, you got to have chemistry. Well, you've got to lead. And now they're paying the price. What do you make of this game Sunday night? Yeah, I mean, I'd love to lay it with Buffalo at 10. This is a little bit higher. You know, the Packers, they were dominated by Washington. They got the pick six, but otherwise, like on a play-to-play basis, they were not very competitive. They got a late score uh, to make it look better than it was. Uh, they have had trouble up front on the offensive line, even though they didn't give up a sack on Sunday. Uh, and the Bills' D-line is so good with that home crowd. Um, I think it could definitely going to be a long night for Green Bay, but right now it's a little inflated. Mikey, let me throw a theory out at you. And this is a stretch, and I'm going way out there, but I want you to indulge me just for a second. Did you watch the match this past summer where Patrick Mahomes and Josh Allen played Aaron Rodgers and Tom Brady? Did we all watch that part of it? I don't think I actually watched that one, but yes, I know that they played. Yeah, They played. Well, during said match, Aaron Rodgers and Tom Brady were relentless on Josh Allen about rings, about Super Bowls, about being the best quarterback. And I know it was all in good fun, but Josh Allen is an absolute beast. And you could tell it bothered him. He now has an opportunity, Mikey, to get back on the field. I think that will matter on Sunday. Do you? I think it'll matter on Sunday. I think when it'll matter most to him is still if he gets to a Super Bowl more than anything. I think that him winning by 10 points is going to be enough, uh, which would not be enough to cover the spread. So I – I like Josh Allen. I like the Bills. I think they're awesome. Uh, I have all the respect in the world for Josh Allen individually. Uh, if you tune in on Sunday, there's a good chance, though, I'm going to be backing the Packers at 11 and a half, potentially 12 if the market moves it there 30 minutes before game time. Uh, I like the Packers in this spot. It's a big number, and there's not a ton of motivation to keep pushing if the game is in hand in this particular spot. But like RJ said, I think this could be a spot where Aaron Rodgers just peppers Tanyan with 13 targets in this game, dumps off to Aaron Jones a lot, does just enough to extend drives, eat some clock, keep it within the three scores. We have a backdoor cover situation. That's what I'm looking for. That's what I'm looking at here in primetime. 
Uh, look, it's not comfortable at all, and I totally understand why you wouldn't want to play it. Uh, this Green Bay team, though, has been pretty good off of a loss uh, since 2019. They are 10-2 and two against the spread. Now you're giving them one of the biggest spreads they've ever seen. Uh, look, just like Tom Brady, I like Tom Brady and the Bucks this week. I, I like the Packers here to cover the spread. The nice thing about this game is that if you're looking at the entire list of games this week, if there was one that you want to have on Sunday night to wait to see how all the rest of your bets are doing on Sunday, this would be the one. So at least we have that, and we'll be live at 7.30 p.m. Eastern time Sunday night to break it all down on Early Edge Live. We'll also be there Monday night at 7.30 p.m. Eastern time to count down to Monday night football. The Bengals, wow, did they look good on Sunday throwing the ball all over the yard, 480 yards passing, I think, for Burrow. They looked amazing from start to finish. The Browns, not so much. They have now started to struggle. They don't look very good. They stink. They just stink. So, RJ, let me start with you. The Bengals are laying three on the road, total 47. I can see the total easily coming in in this game, but what do you make of the side? Yeah, the, the Bengals had an amazing game offensively. They did it against a team with the lowest sack rate. So I thought coming into that game, they were going to have an amazing game offensively. That's why I like the over in that game. Um, this is not that team. This is a team with better pass rushers. And so that offensive line, which has been a trouble for a lot of the year, is going to get put back to the test. Cleveland flipped the script on Baltimore, outplayed them in the box score despite the loss. Baltimore had been destroying people in the box score and barely winning games. Now Cleveland actually outplayed them, couldn't get the win. Um, with that Cleveland pass rush being a much tougher test for Cincinnati's offensive line and Cincinnati's defense much better defending the pass than the run, I think this game favors Cleveland. Cleveland wants to run the ball, obviously. Cincy's stock very high. I've won four of the last five games. Cleveland's stock very low, four straight losses. I think this game's going to get to three and a half. I'm going to be looking to play Cleveland once it gets to three and a half. Okay. As far as props are concerned, Mike, the last two weeks you have banged Jamar Chase and it hasn't even been close. Well, it was sort of close because it was a long touchdown, but we cashed fairly easily when it came down to the final number. Do you see this matchup as another matchup that's really good for the Bengals wideouts? Uh, it's certainly not as good as the last two weeks. Uh, you know, RJ's mentioned DFS a few times. We've been playing the Bengals a lot in DFS the last two weeks. Um, this will be a showdown slate, so not super relevant, but they – they were set up for two excellent performances, New Orleans and Atlanta, two of the worst teams in the past defense, but decent enough offensively to keep games interesting enough to put points on the board. Uh, on the other side here, Cleveland wants to run the football. They are here at their home field. I look, I think this line should be Bengals minus one, maybe minus one and a half. Uh, the value is definitely on the Brown side. Like RJ, I'm going to wait till three and a half personally. Um, and then one I'll be paying attention to. I do think that the two positive games in a row can definitely change some things on the Cincinnati side, and we could see them go on a nice little run like we did last season. However, I do think you need to kind of work with a little caution based off what you saw the last two weeks because you've seen almost every single team in the NFL put up pretty impressive numbers when they're playing New Orleans or Atlanta. Yeah, it's great, great advice. It's all about the opponent. That matters so much. And Maestro, I'm coming to you. And the question I want to ask, and then you can say whatever you want to say, but when you look at this layout and this game script and the way the Browns have tried to use Chubb, they've tried to use Hunt, and then at the end of games, they're just not finishing. They're not finishing at all. What do you make of this one? 
at some point that has to take a toll on the team that they keep getting close except for that one blowout loss and they keep coming up short. You know, Joe Burrow, it's not just the last two games. You look at the last six games, 13 TDs, one interception. Last five games has a passer rating over 117. I mean, this offense is dynamic. And the Browns' pass defense, despite the fact that RJ is right, they have a much better pass rush than what we've seen from the Falcons and Saints who have non-existent pass rush. Uh, the pass defense has not been great for the Browns. It's very vulnerable. So I think it's another big night uh, for Joe Burrow. I'm not laying it at this point, but uh, – I just don't see I don't see them getting slowed down, you know, like in the teens or anything like that. I also feel like if I'm in the locker room, I'm the head coach and I'm talking to my team and I'm telling Cincinnati, maybe the money line for us would be the play of minus 140, maybe minus 150, because they can't afford to lose any more games. The AFC is absolutely stacked. It's loaded. You've got to be probably 11 and six, 11 and six to get in this year, I think. So you've got to win these games that you are favored to win. So I may lean towards the money line, but of course I listen to you guys because uh, you are the experts. All right. It's that time of the show. Our mega NFL recap brought to you by Caesar Sportsbook and casino looks a little something like this. Maestro start us off. What do you like? I like the Panthers. You know, they're tremendously undervalued still, even despite that loss, which people are blaming on Tom Brady. But P.J. Walker played really well. The defense has been solid all season. And then the Vikings coming off the bye, facing an Arizona defense that just got shredded by the Saints, even though they won the game. Look for Kevin O'Connell, Kirk Cousins, Justin Jefferson to have a huge game as Minnesota covers. R.J.? I like the Dolphins minus three. I think they can name their score against the Detroit defense, which has been terrible. I don't think that Detroit, with the way they're playing, can do the same. I like Minnesota minus three and a half. The market is over-adjusting for that Arizona win. Two and a half points off the look ahead that they shouldn't be evaluating it that much. Vikings are a great value at minus three and a half. I got a teaser. Bucks plus seven and a half on Thursday night, and then the Jets plus seven and a half. Both these teams at home, both of them I would argue would be favored, should be favored in this game. So I think we're getting great value here on the teaser. And get those in before it goes down to one, and then it's just seven. You do not want it sitting on seven. Mikey, bring us home. Yeah, like RJ, I'm going to be on the Dolphins here, minus three against the Lions. I don't think the Lions can keep up offensively. They are not the same team from the first few weeks of the season. Good luck covering Jalen Waddle and Tyreek Hill at the same time while trying to apply enough pass rush on Tua. Not going to happen. Dolphins minus three. And that is our NFL Week 8 Mega Preview a recap brought to you by Caesar Sportsbook and Casino. Now, you know we like to end every one of our shows asking our experts what the most important thing they're looking forward to for the week. So you can use it either today or you can use it later in the week. It's all about information. That's what this business is all about. M Squared, start us off. Uh, it's got to be the Thursday night game for me. I want to see how Tom Brady and the Bucks respond. They still have an opportunity to save the season, win the division. They're still massive favorites there. Uh, so if you don't like them, maybe look at betting against them in the division here. But I think they ultimately get the win. Boom. RJ, what do you like this week? I want to see this 49ers-Rams game as someone heavily invested in San Francisco futures this this um, offseason. I love the McCaffrey trade. I think this might be for the division as good as Seattle is playing. I think that one of these teams probably is going to win it. And if San Francisco can get the win on the road with the Rams, I think it's their division to lose. So if San Francisco can show up and have a good game here, I'm going to love love the tickets I have on San Francisco. And right now, things are still looking fine for them. Four and three is first place Seattle in that division. So everybody is still alive. Maestro, what do you got? 
Well, tying into that, RJ, I'm looking forward to see how Geno Smith against the Blitz. He's only number 22 against the Blitz, going to be blitzed a heck of a lot by Wink Martindale, is going to play without DK Metcalf. And if the Seahawks stumble at home, and like you said, if the 49ers take care of the Rams, uh, this division is, is basically theirs. All right. Very good. Well, it's going to be another terrific week. We continue to grind every single day. We are daily at 10 a.m. Eastern time, also at 4 p.m. Eastern time. Then every night there's an NFL game. We are live at 730. And of course, don't forget about our Prop Spectacular every single Friday with Uncle Dave, Sia, and of course, Prop Stars. It's all the damage we can do. There's only one thing left to do, and I believe you all know what that is. You've got your marching orders. Let's take all of these tickets straight to the pay window. For my entire crew, love them all. M squared, the stoic one, RJ White, and the maestro and Jake the Snake doing great work on the ones and the twos. I am the coach. Tell all your friends, we want you here. We want you here. There's only one place, only one brand you even need to worry about. Of course, it's the early edge. Good luck.